Welcome to the Sun-Dried Tomatoes podcast. I'm your host and creator, Anthony Yotso. If you're watching on YouTube, you can also find the audio-only version of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher, pretty much anywhere that you can get podcasts, to be honest. Uh, please follow, download, and subscribe where applicable. For those listening to the audio version, I also have a video version on the Sun-Dried Tomatoes YouTube channel. Please subscribe there as well. Check out other shows that will feature sports, brewing, food, and music, including my original series, Random Reactions, where I talk about a news story from the week, give my take on it in interesting ways. Uh, I also have Legends of the Diamond, where I talk about some of the greatest baseball players of all time that weren't allowed to play in the MLB from the late 1800s to the early mid-1900s. Brewing the Facts, another show. Uh, the first season, I show my process of homebrewing a raspberry jalapeno wheat ale, and also talk about some interesting facts such as brewing in medieval times and the origins of beer pong. I also have a new fantasy football show with a twist that comes out every Thursday until the end of the fantasy football season, the quest for the green bowl, the shadows of chaos, learn how my league is faring this season and check out my epic post-apocalyptic sci-fi sort of cosmic horror theme where we've all been transported into the future to win an ancient relic which is our trophy, in order to save the world from chaotic living shadows. Of course, you can also follow me on Instagram at eclectic underscore Yozo. That's E-C-L-E-C-T-I-C underscore I-O-Z-Z-O. I'll have updates, teasers, and short videos to go with all my YouTube content, including weekly updates for my Fantasy Football League. Plus, you might be able to get to know me a little bit better as well. And of course, uh, there's some cosmic horror tropes that I use in that theme story for the fantasy football show that I mentioned earlier, which is about to reach its exciting conclusion with just a couple more episodes to go. And that fits in quite nicely with this second of back-to-back, -back, more festive episodes of this podcast, as me and my friend Jake August right here, dipping into the winter solstice, talking cosmic horror. Jake, of course, is uh, he's a fantastic person uh, who... Uh, you know, he knows a lot about math, uh, you know, computer programs, and uh, we talk a lot about Cosmic Core. We both love it. Like myself, he basks in the tales of darkness and is fascinated by what Cosmic Core entails. So, Jake, uh, what's going on, man? Are you excited to dive into uh, Eldritch Abominations? <laughs> oh, I am. I am giddy, bordering on madness, just just really bursting at the seams here. <laughs> just just ready to burst at the seams. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, you know, when I asked you to be on this show, I was also I was excited to kind of dive into this. I definitely wanted to 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 talk about this subject, and I will many times as well. Uh, I figured you were the best person that I know at this moment to talk about these things, as we uh, we've had many conversations about these things and shared many books as well. Fellow, fellow soul who has looked into the darkness, and <laughs> I won't say we didn't blink, but it's certainly we've we've often looked there, and and we know that. There's plenty more to to talk about or, or to to see or experience. So, yeah, absolutely, and of course, uh, there are many different types of stories and subsections of cosmic horror itself. It's actually the genre isn't that easy to define. There's so many different things that go with, it. and it usually goes hand in hand with sometimes sci-fi and fantasy as well. But uh, exactly, you know, I I always liken it. Cosmic horror is, uh, you know, that's like saying you know, Italian food. And then, then you have all the little sub-discipline or sub-genres of it in which those are the specific seasonings that you would put into a dish. And, uh, but just remember that the dish, when it's finally done, it will be poison to your soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
FPS. Uh, and of course, uh, that goes right into this festive episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dig in. <laughs> and now I do. we do love beer on the show, and Jake also is a fan of beer uh, itself. So I thought that would be also fun for us to sample some random beers, uh, some that I, I've, I haven't had any of these. I'm not sure if Jake's had some of them, but, uh, you know, uh, since we talk about brewing on the YouTube channel a lot, uh, you know, I do with uh, Brewing Facts and, and other things, I figured that this would be really fun. So before we get into this conversation, I thought that uh, we dive into this. This is actually from Central Waters Brewing Company. So my YouTube followers can see that called Extremely Unsettled. And uh, what I would call it is, uh, you know, very almost Lovecraftian with some psychological horror thrown in. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely these hops drove this person's to madness. And uh, now they're just consumed if, you know, yeah, obsess- so- obsession borderline on, cons- on consumption. Yeah. I'll pour this into the mic for my audio. Little ASMR for you. <laughs> Our voice isn't uh, isn't sultry enough for ASMR. Yeah, maybe maybe I I can't stand ASMR, but that's just my neurodivergency. Mm -hmm. Thank you. you. Yeah, so I mean, it's got a nice cloudy, uh, hazy IPA situation going on. That's for Mm -hmm. sure. Uh, And I smell the hops. That is very hoppy. Yeah, I can smell the hops and smell citrusy. I love that. Like. That sharp, you won't, you know, it's going to be bitter, but then you'll get the citrusy note right after it. Yeah, for sure. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's actually, I mean, definitely the fruit is there right away. It's actually not as bitter as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's definitely more mellow. Uh, it's, it's very refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, I, I've, I've complained to you many a time, my opinions on IPAs, those used to be my favorites. And then everyone, everyone and their grandmother tried making an IPA just flooded the market with just, oh, yeah. I can't find another word for it other than just lazy stuff. Yeah. And I don't know why everyone thought that that was good when it, it was not, and it's, it's just very hard to find a good IPA these days, but central waters is, uh, I, I find them around here quite often and I'll yeah. pick up something new every once in a while. And they've, they've never let me down. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Out of Amherst, Wisconsin, they, uh, they do have a very, very good uh, selection of beers there. And I have to say, just like you were saying that the flood of the hops, you know, when I was in college, it started to become big. And that's when I first was like, okay, IPAs liked them. Then it was just how many hops we can throw in, you know, mm-hmm. how, how bitter can we make it? Like, yeah. you know, I even had a beer that had like, a pound of hops and it was just ludicrous you know? yeah it, it honestly there are beverages that you can put in the category of made you know it as if it was a dare of some sort but don't bother, don't market that to people and say it's good like no like look craft good things and people will follow you don't make stuff that's just gimmicky yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's why the session IPA has been a new thing now. I think it's that type of mindset's catching on. Um, that's for sure. More the session, uh, session or saisons are the next ones that are just going to be over and below. I mean, it happened the sours too. Like, I feel like whatever the craze is, they try to jump on the money train. You know? This is true. Yeah, I, I like this. I have to say, I like it too. And I could understand 
why they call it unsettled and the fact that it's hazy and cloudy still. Also, I mean, to be honest, like my brain was a little confused at first because I thought it was going to be bitter and it was sweet. <laughs> it was fruity and like kind of calm, you know. Don't linger on that confusion lest you go mad. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good segue right into this uh, cosmic horror conversation. Uh, you know, obviously I'm very excited about this. Um, so I thought it would be great to first talk about, uh, you know, what about Cosmic Horror appeals to both of us. Um, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, again, we've talked about this in private many, many times, but uh, I was really young when I started to like Cosmic Horror. Um, you know, just actually one of the first things that I actually read was, um, and I found it at the Chicago Public Library randomly. I was always into weird sci-fi type stuff because my dad kind of was. You know, like he showed me old Outer Limits and things like that, you know, um, Harlan Ellison type stuff. Fantastic. But, uh, you know, so I found this, it's, uh, and, and you know, I was also into DC Comics. My dad was a big comics guy. And I found The Sandman written by Neil Gaiman. It's one of his first things. Um, some of the illustrators, uh, reading off this list here, just so that I don't get them wrong. Sam Keith, uh, Mike Dringenberg, Jill Thompson, Sean McManus, Mark Hempel, Brian Talbot. Uh, Michael Zuli and others, uh, very good illustrated if you didn't see this, uh, you know, but the Sandman itself is just a very interesting tale here and it's, um, it, it later becomes more fantasy the story of the, the Sandman but these first issues that I saw, which was 98, 99 so I was like seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth grade somewhere around that uh, time frame and uh, yeah, the series itself actually ended in 96. It was like 89 to 96. And uh, the first it, 75 issues, the first like 10 to 15 issues were very cosmic horror. And the fact that the Sandman, the main character was uh, essentially Dream. And one of uh, seven, um, you know, seven of these like higher beings uh, along with several other ones. And uh, essentially this being was uh, many different names, Lord of the Dreams, uh, you know, it, it, it's controlling, sort of controlling the reality that we see. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the cool things about this character itself was that the, the story begins where he's actually trapped by essentially uh, a bunch of cultists. Like they did like a, like a, like just this ridiculous, you know, occult uh, ceremony and entrapped a dream and, and imprisoned him for like 70 years of like what, what we during this time. And the way the, the book goes from this or the, the comic series is it's stories within this story because everything exists in dreams head. It's to, to pass the time while being in prison. So there's all these different random tales of things through, it's essentially conjured up by dream and dream is so powerful that the stories become reality. Mm -hmm. So that's like real universes and dimensions that are created through this. And it's just as a kid, like I was just like, oh, I got all of them from the library that I could find. I was very interested in it. You know, it, this is back before we could go on the internet and find whatever we wanted at this too. So, you know, I could only get so deep into it, but it was just, I loved it. I thought it was uh, it was just really fun and and uh, you know, just it was a great read. And if any if anyone finds these old Sandman's, I'm sure they're they're available somewhere. Like it's worth it's mm -hmm. worth kind of diving into, especially seeing old Neil Gaiman. You know? Yes, uh, it, it's no the the internet for 
as awful of a space as it is. It's this, it's this thing that permeates all around us and it's in everything yet none of us could really define it or point to it if we tried and there's entire things there. But for all that evilness there, it is great to be able to actually find, you know, when it works for you and not against you, you can actually go and, and find these new things um, that allows you to, uh, you know, to, to experience this, the genre, you know, not just what's new and, and coming out, but actually start not from the beginning, but, you know, find the greats that, that inspired others and inspire what you're reading now. Um, you know, I had a very uh, securitous path to find cosmic horror I've you know, always been drawn to, you know, the spooky, you know, horror stories in, you know, paper, you know, paperbacks really cheaply made intended for, you know, either children or, or, or teens, um, just full of chock full of cliche ghost stories or monsters or UFO encounters. So horror was always a, a big part of my life. Yeah. Um, like, like you, you know, I grew up watching, the old Outer Limits, old Twilight Zone, the the rebooted Outer Limits, and, yeah. and really many more of those things. And as I grew up, it was obvious to, to everyone, uh, you know, I, I, I naturally knew I was an anxious person. But the thing about horror was that it was this almost a relief valve on my anxious energy. I It was a way to train my mind to say, I can stop this unsettling experience at any point that I choose. But I'm not going to. Yeah. And so now leaving that experience, I'm able to cope with my other, you know, other anxious thoughts that, you know, grip me and do not leave me until I, I try to do something about them, most of which are impossible to deal with, much like in cosmic horror. Yeah. And um, beyond that, I was also a very introspective child, like from an early age, you know, I would, I would ask these really weird questions about thinking itself, which no one could understand, least of all my parents or family. And so I just kind of kept those thoughts to myself. As I grew up, I got, I had a, an interest, which turned into an aptitude for, you know, mathematics and physics and science. And so I always would return to the, the hard question of consciousness. Like, how is it all this stuff that is at its barest essential you know atomic form is not conscious how does that turn into consciousness where does all this that i experience that we collectively hallucinate come from <laughs> and i concluded then and i still conclude now uh, i will qualify this later on uh, consciousness has to be woven in to the fabric of reality whatever it is that we eventually find out you know, within with what what our science today lacks, we will eventually have to address that. And I think once we address the hard question of consciousness, it will answer all the other unsolved problems in that we know of knowledge today. And be it either why doesn't general relativity and quantum mechanics work with us? What are all the you know the dark forces that seem to be expanding the universe, but also dark matter that's drawing it together? Um, what what are these things that deviate from the standard model, which has an incredible degree of precision. If we answer the hard question of consciousness, we'll, we will get there. Um, in school, for me, it was, you know, the in actually literature that, that started this quest. It was uh, the romantic and the transcendental periods. Um, this idea that there's an oversoul and we're connected to all things that really was this like really happy message, which didn't really jive with my personality. It's like, 
I'm not generally a happy person. I wouldn't say I'm an unhappy person. I'm a realist. I, yeah. There's good and bad at all times. And, you know, focusing on too much of one makes you kind of a toxic person. So this is the, that was the balance. And, you know, with my other sort of notions, completely unoriginal, it turns out, um, ideas of consciousness and where does it come from? That's panpsychism, which anyone, your viewers don't leave me any angry comments. I know it is completely <laughs> untestable. It's one of those, do I believe it? Yes. Do I rely on it? No. In my nine to five job, there's not a damn thing panpsychism can help you out with. <laughs> And uh, so with that kind of as like a background, you know, yeah, did I love lots of horrible things that were cosmic, you know, cosmic in nature, you know, uh, Stuart Gordon's From Beyond, or I would argue Paul Anderson's Event Horizon, two of my favorite movies. In fact, there's not much of Stuart Gordon's that I don't love, you know, Reanimator, Robot Jocks, uh, you know, you know, I could point at those things and be like, I love these. And I couldn't quite put my finger on why I loved them. And only then was I introduced to cosmic horror. And now is my palate able to really discern like, what kind of horror is this? Oh, I know this is, you know, this is this flavor. This is forbidden knowledge or, you know, this is, uh, you know, uh, this is behind the veil kind of cosmic horror. Or this is the mind's poison. You know, those are the different flavors. And I can really just go, you know, I'm in the mood for a mind poison tonight and go <laughs> pick that off my shelf. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, and just like you're, you're saying, uh, you know, going back to the Sandman, I mean, the, the whole concept of consciousness is throughout the entire beginning of the story, you know, Dream or the Lord of Dreams or Morpheus. He's called many different things because of all these stories he comes up with. Um, just to it's just such a fascinating thing to think because no human can think can you stop your thoughts no you can't and like so you can't even comprehend death really because how do you ever know you just can't ever stop thinking so you know even when you dream you're dreaming so when you go to sleep and it kind of passes and then you're up again thinking so exactly the 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 subtle gradients between where we are now and what happens as you start removing you know, bits of it either you know, either mechanically which is horrifying in its own sense yeah. you know we're not talking body but we're just talking there are horrifying things people have done to alter people's consciousness but you know through chemical through chemical means or accidental means yeah you know it, it's it's a truly when you start down that path and you start asking harder and harder questions about what it is to actually experience things you know, when you start to question, what is it about your perception? You know, we know for a fact that we don't see everything. We don't hear everything. Yeah. We don't experience everything. We only can see a narrow band of the electromagnetic spectrum. We can't feel the magnetic and electromagnetic fields that are permeating around us at all times. We can't sense all the neutrinos that are just falling straight through us as if we weren't even there coming from the sun. And, um, and we could really only comprehend three dimensions. So. And, yeah, I mean, we, uh, one could argue that, you know, if I've got some stuff down here that argues there's more, uh, those will wind up in a bin or maybe a little lending library. So I, I'm a little bit disillusioned at that prospect nowadays. I think I think a lot of it is um, math in search of problem. So a solution in search of problems. Oh, yeah. We don't need to go down there. That's a podcast. <laughs> That's an entire other podcast. We're here to talk about cosmic horror. Yeah. Sure. We're going to talk about cosmic horror. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, but anywho, you know, again, it, it, when you start asking those hard questions about where does our perception end and what lies beyond it, it it's something of a daunting, if not terrifying thought. And obviously we're functioning members of society, so it's not an all consuming thought to us, yes. you know, as far as your viewers can see. Yeah. To some it is. And, and in cosmic horror, it always is. It always is. <laughs> in cosmic horror, those are the thoughts that drive, that drive them down. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's actually funny when you talked about how, you know, at first you were just in search of these different things and you found them and they happened to be cosmic horror and you enjoyed them. Uh, and then later you were able to discern the different flavors, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, for it, it, it was kind of similar to me to where I didn't necessarily define them as different. But now that I know what everything is and what all the different, you know, flavors or tropes are, um, it, it's kind of funny to think the path that I took because uh, you know, another early story was H.P. Lovecraft's The Color Out of Space that I looked at. And that's one of my favorite of all time Lovecraft stories. And, uh, and, and honestly, I know it's got Nick Cage in it. Woefully underrated film. Oh, it's actually very, very good. Uh, <laughs> the, it takes a lot to get under my skin. And that, that movie managed to use just enough, you know, practical, special and, and you know, computer effects, visual effects. It, it managed to go right under my skin and just burrow in and, and you know both my wife and I while we were watching it there was a there was a particular bit in that movie where we're like do we need to stop this right now <laughs> I am on that board like yeah I am on the edge of that cliff and <laughs> no I saw it through to the end and uh, it, it was, cannot recommend that enough and the story itself that it, it comes from you know it, it's sometimes hard to to, to go back and, and really experience something so far out of our own contemporary presence. You know, it's just how people thought and how people talked. It, 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 only, it drives you out of it sometimes, but if you're yes. able to really live in it, yeah. you know. Yeah, and that's, I mean, the, the thing with Lovecraft, anyone that knows Lovecraft and either likes or hates Lovecraft, uh, they, they always come back to, he's very, you know, he's, it's, he's, he's an old school writer. He's very verbose. And to be honest, sometimes his writing is just, is kind of detailed to the point to where it almost becomes mind numbing. And, and, you know, some people would consider it to be dull at times until you get to the, to the point, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's the thing is it's like, to me, that actually goes into it because it's like that you're just like, okay, where's this going? And then it just keeps going down and down. And, and oh. he really, he really likes to build that, the, the madness. I mean, obviously in Colorado space, uh, the, the the one guy's being interviewed and like explaining these things that have happened in the past and so because you're getting it through that weird interview type of style to me as someone who's you know a journalist it was just it, it, it appealed to me right away even as a kid you know I was always into journalism itself so that that aspect of it I was just like that's that's pretty cool like to, to have that kind of perspective you know and, and a lot of the stories are like that they have those types of tropes yeah it, it's it's sometimes hard I will admit the the secondhand accounting of it is is difficult and dry if you don't have a wildly overactive imagination and even with my wildly overactive imagination it, it can come off as just you know, again, we can just write this off as being madness or not. Yeah. The, you know, one of the other, one of the real, uh, I think, gems of cosmic horror is the the first person accounting 
of it where we, you know, it's not through a journal, it's not through um, a law, it's, you know, it's not through journals, it's not through some other found footage, I guess you might yeah, say. Which is um, popular nowadays. Yeah. Exactly. And, and don't get me wrong, I've, there's plenty of those. Like uh, The Tunnel is probably easily my favorite found footage uh, film from out of Australia. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend. It's, uh, but when you are experiencing the journey of the main character and now you yourself are experiencing those questions that they have and you, and when you finally come into it or out of it and, you know, is this person going mad? You know, one of my, one of my favorite movies is, uh, and I believe it's based on a book. I need to, I need to find it. It, it should be on my shelf, but isn't. If it is a book, it's uh, Jacob's Ladder. Oh, you yeah. know, like, oh, yeah. there's like 80s or 90s, uh, Tim Robbins. Who, it's a fantastic movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you, you experience this. And I almost, you know, when I was at first watching it, I thought it was a very kind of like Kurt Vonnegut, Slaughterhouse-Five, you know, PTSD, yeah. uh, you know, like, is, is this real? Is it not? Is this a way for him to cope with the horrors he's seen? And then by the end of it, I'm just convinced, no. The, the horrors he had seen allowed him to see the the terrifying things that were real around him yeah yeah it's uh there's definitely a lot of different thoughts on that movie but uh but, you know i recently rewatched it uh, last year um it's just uh it definitely is uh creepy in many different ways uh, yeah. some of those scenes you know especially the the ending scene is like one of the craziest scenes ever yeah you know no it, it, it certainly uh, it, it bears a rewatch. I think that's on like Netflix or something. Yeah. Go find that one. I'm sure it's somewhere for sure. And I think there's <laughs> even a, a, a remake. They actually remade it. And uh, yeah, yeah. Add, it, add it to the queue, yeah. the never ending queue of, uh, of information that we must consume. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, you know, I, early on, again, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, my dad, of course, showed me. Um, 2001 Space Odyssey, which is kind of the cosmic cosmic horror, where it's like space horror. Uh, I mean, it, it's certainly a sci-fi, and it's uh, you know any it, it's it's Clark's you know any sufficiently advanced form of technology is indistinguishable from magic, mm -hmm. and and the whatever the monoliths are, you know, actually I know exactly what the monoliths are because I got I don't have 2001 up there, but I got. 2010, 2061, and 3001. They kind of spill it all with what's yeah. there. So I just think that uh, in the movie itself, the way Kubrick goes about it, it's, uh, it's very, um, you know, essentially it's do we have control of our own lives? And that trope in and of itself is, is maddening to some. And, 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 you know, obviously you have the sci fi aspect, you have hell and the, the AI type things going on, but. Uh, just the, the whole thing when you realize that the aliens were shaping our entire world, you know, spoilers for anyone. Spoiler, yeah, yeah. any Doctor Who fan who, you know, loves Tom Baker will be like, old news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's your first time. Yeah, exactly. I would think anybody watching this is probably knows all, almost all the things. We're, and maybe we'll, we'll give you some extras, but, you know, we won't spoil everything. Yeah, we won't, yeah. <laughs> spoiler free, don't worry. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I mean, it's just, it's funny to think back when we're young and, and we're getting into this too. Like, uh, you know, there are a lot of things I got into when I was young that I either grew out of or, or just, it was one of those things where it was like, I just wasn't, it was, you know, as a kid, you're into a lot more things, you know, like professional wrestling, like. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's something about youth and, you know, becoming an adult. I will, I will say 
there's very few things I grew out of. I just managed to justify them. Yeah, as you have to justify them. Yeah, sure. uh, you know, I, I, I just embraced the almighty weird uh, at an early age, and yeah. I refused to let go of it because it's it's the weird, it's the weird and unusual that, that really give life a lot of, uh, you know, it, it gives it the contrast. You know, the, there's something to be said about the the normalcy and the, uh, you know, just the the ordinary lives that we can live, but if you don't, if you don't have a touch of the weirdness, just to kind of put an edge to where those things are, it, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to appreciate it. In my yeah. Like just w- when things are good, yeah. even when things are bad, knowing that they will come back, having something extraordinary to, to really offset from and really give you a point of reference of like, this is how far it is, you know, and, and we're nowhere near there. So. And, and it, to me for cosmic horror, that was actually easy because um a lot of the questions that are asked throughout it are are pretty deep and philosophical and as you get older you almost understand them more like there are many stories that I was like this was really cool when I was younger or or movies I watched and then I watch them again and read the books again as I get older and I have an even better understanding of what's going on and it makes them even more exciting to like you know dive deep in and pretend that I'm in the story you know exactly you know you know watching things just for the the shock of them as a, as a, as a child or a teenager, that's one thing. To actually sit as an adult and rewatch it, and then you know appreciate what what's actually being said at at, at a very visceral level, and to have that is a, it's a fun experience. Like I said before, you know that that's that's the that's the pressure valve for my anxiety. So you know being able to re-experience it, and you know with everything else that is you know, lending to, you know, this day and age's anxieties of our generation. Again, having that, that offset that, you know, the, to imagine the, the furthest extent of what could happen is, is nice to just delve into it and then leave it, you know, have the ability to leave it, unlike any of the characters in the, the stories we read or watch. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's certainly, this, that's how I look at it, you know, for me, personal experience, subjective can't objectively qualify it or quantify it not even going to try to <laughs> so yeah um the, the but yeah you brought up like the the different you know sort of those those different flavors and you know what 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 what's the the flavor you were drawn to the most yeah so so that's a good question um there's so there's there's definitely uh, there's so many different ones and some of them are combined. Obviously, they're they're usually combined together in certain ways. Just like a recipe, you gotta but throw a dash of this and ex- a splash of that. Exactly, but there are there are three main ones that uh, that I do look at um, in my mind that are some of my favorite ones. Um, and and you know I even have some some examples of those that might be some obscure to people. People might not know these examples that I'm going to bring up, but uh, actually this is a good way to, to move on to our next beer actually and, yeah. and sample some beer before we get into this. Yeah, no. So yeah, so this next beer that we have is uh, from Castle Danger Brewery, which is actually a Minnesota owned brewery. So it's very local to us. Um, this is uh, actually, I've never had this one. I don't know if you've ever had at, at Castle Danger. Uh, it's called uh turn up the good and it is a double india pale ale which uh after just having unsettled i'm guessing we're going to get even more unsettled with this one (laughs) 
So we could get some more of Jake's hated ASMR going here for the audio. <laughs> I think my voice is the hated ASMR alone. Yeah. And I'll show everyone on YouTube the can in a second. So here's the can itself, as you can see. Uh, Castle Danger, I've had a couple of their beers. They're actually pretty good. Um, I'd recommend them. One of my random reactions episodes, I did a uh, brain versus taste buds uh, test to move people on and the move teams on in the March Madness basketball tournament. And there were several Castle Dangers in there. And some of them made it far on my blind days test. So I definitely must like them. <laughs> So, you know, there's actually not a lot of aroma for a pale ale, I have to say, for this one. And whereas Unsettled was opaque, this is certainly translucent. Oh, yeah, they, they filtered this. This one has a little bit more of the, the bitterness that you would expect in a hop. But to be honest, for a beer that says it's 8.5%, I don't taste that. And that is rare. Like, I'm sorry, I, I thought you said 8.5%. That is what the label is. <laughs> yeah, it does not. Uh, that's very surprising. And normally, once you get up to six and a half to 7%, uh, if the beer doesn't isn't a stout or something where it has other flavors to mask it, you get that fusel alcohol flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get that here. Oh. And I'm very impressed with that. So Castle Danger definitely did a good job there to take that out. So it's a strong beer that uh, will creep up on you, I'm guessing, because it doesn't taste strong. I could drink a bunch of these and then be like, oh, I shouldn't drive anymore. (laughs) I absolutely need to hail. I need to use an app. Oh yeah, this is um, is interesting. I'm trying to pin down the note that like- Yeah, it's definitely, it's a little bit more herbal than the other. The other one we have was very fruity. Uh, This one definitely has a little bit more of like a floral type taste. Um, they definitely, you can tell that the, the grains they used were very simple and I don't yeah. get any of the grain notes really. Like no. it, it's just there, you know, uh, there is good head retention though. No, no, that's, that is true. So as an engineer, I do enjoy, you know, a little bit of fluid dynamics and playing the surface chemistry of like, Hmm, yeah. uh, what, what, what has, what does that have to be? You know, how long is that going to take to actually fizz out? Yeah, I mean, I've been swirling mine. There's still a little bit there. I also drank a little bit more, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. I enjoy it. So, I mean, in terms of flavors, I think I like the, I actually like the clear waters more, which is shocking because yeah. usually pale ales are my, like they would be a go-to these days, um, unless it's a special occasion, then I'll go yeah. something like a stout or a, or maybe even a Saison. But yeah, yeah. this is this is pretty good. Yeah, I would definitely say the unsettled is better than this one, but the, uh, I wouldn't grade it bad. I'd probably grade it in the you know upper middle of IPAs I've had, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the non-fusel alcohol. It's very surprising to me again. Something when you once you get up to those percent high percentages, you just it's hard to get that out of there. Mm-hmm. So whatever hops they used, <laughs> that they were good. Um, also, I feel like fruity hops, like citra is like such a big, they put it in everything. So a lot of IPAs end up tasting the same because of that. Yeah. I do appreciate that they used a different hop here. I don't, you know, but, uh, you know, continuing on with our cosmic core, 
Um, we, our minds have been blown with these two hoppy beers as both times we were surprised by the end results. <laughs> yes, our minds are being blown. Mm-hmm. Might not be the legal definition of what's happening, but. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, back to, we were talking about the flavors, the tropes, and, uh, you know, Jake obviously asked me about them. Uh, so one of the ones that I really like, uh, and, and it's kind of funny because you, you threw a little bit of shade at it, the apocalyptic log. Um, but uh, the thing about the apocalyptic log, you know, it's like you're hearing this story through, um, you know, a different type of means. So it's, you know, it, it's for any Star Trek nerds, whenever you hear, you know, one of the captains on the log, Kirk Picard, and they're giving like a narration to the events that had happened, including how other people, and then they go into the story. That's technically that kind of a trope in a movie. Uh, Exposition. Yes. Uh, Reading a diary or a journal. Um, Sometimes it's somebody else reading it. Sometimes it's somebody interviewing and and the fact that the person is recounting a tale that could still be considered Mm -hmm. apocalyptic log. Um, and it usually has to do with uh, crazy events going on. Um, yeah. You know, Call of Cthulhu, obviously, Diagon, uh, Thing on the Doorstep, all Lovecraft stories that you actually, th- he uses it a lot, like we've yeah. said before. And, and again, there, there are, there are exceptions to my, you know, to my feelings. And I will, I will admit the only one that can, that comes to mind right now, gee, I wonder why that's the only one that's coming to mind right now. Um, supernatural instead of cosmic horror, but it's just extraordinarily well done in my opinion the exorcism of emily rose oh. where you know um, rather than it being a log or a simple interview we are now you know in in the middle of this trial and, and as we follow the lawyer who is defending the the exorcist priest uh, for what he had done uh, the the lawyer herself starts experiencing strange supernatural events and that's the kind of you know, when, when it is, you know, sort of the apocalyptic log or it is the interview, when it's the secondhand accounting, but then whatever it was that occurred, it slowly starts to, you know, possess or be, you know, you know, start tracking after the person now, you know, being told it, that that's when it gets very good in my opinion. Yeah. You know, simply, you know, simply just reading it, again, we can write it off as madness, but when the madness comes to you that's that that's what it is really you know chef's kiss oh yeah you know uh, delicious in my opinion so so one of the ones that i want to recount into uh one of the reasons why i do like this genre because like you said when it's done really well uh there's just it there's just it almost transcends other things because you can you, you you get this weird secondary account uh it almost makes it it almost puts you into that person's shoes like you didn't actually experience this at first but now things are happening to you because you're you know kind of jumping into the tale mm-hmm. uh so the yellow wallpaper and a lot of people might not know about this book um written in 1891 by charlotte perkins gilman um it, it said I didn't find anything to prove this. So, you know, I didn't want to say this is what it is, but it is said that this book actually inspired Lovecraft to write King in Yellow. Or, well, King in Yellow is R.W. Chambers. He's somewhere, yeah, right here. Uh, Lovecraft himself was inspired by Chambers, King in Yellow, and took just 
pretty much took, took the, stole it. Yeah. Well, not stole it. No, he just took the names that he thought sounded cool. You yeah, know, it's kind of like what is it? Uh, there's a line in Jurassic Park, like, oh, you know, you took or you cloned these plants because you thought they looked good, not knowing that they're poisonous to the dinosaurs. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, yeah. H.P. Lovecraft, he he did appreciate Chambers, and maybe Chambers himself was inspired uh by, by yeah. the yellow wallpaper i i haven't read it but i've read a, a lot about it yeah uh, i won't speak to that you know i know um chambers himself was inspired by like ambrose bierce and and his own you know weird fiction sort of horror stuff mm-hmm. um the it's interesting that you brought that up because the the king in yellow i will admit i was bored to tears trying to read through all that especially the the <laughs> The, lat- the latter collections of things that they include in there about, you know, it, it was definitely just more about um, this artist who has been drafted into the, you know, throws of World War One, yeah. and the horrors of that itself. I tried to convince myself that the, the the war and his experiences are, you know, as a direct result of the King in Yellow interfering with events. But mm-hmm. um, the the King in Yellow, despite my initial, you know, you know, I. As you said, I, I will throw shade, you know, without thinking about it. And I threw a lot of shade at that. However, there's something to be said about the King in Yellow. Um, the, there's within it, in, in, contained inside the short stories are, is a fictional play uh, in which any of those who dare read it to completion, they are filled with some kind of, you know, cosmic truth, some quintessential knowledge that is a poison to the mind you know the the the, the thought poison as i as i call it um that is one of those genres that is so hard to find because more often than not it is either you know carried on by you know the forbidden knowledge or it is carried by the behind the veil and this is truly not that it is a you know the, something about the king in yellow is this poison to the mind something that it it is a seed of an idea and that it germinates inside of you um that that story those stories themselves after i read them led to many a nightmare and i i would not it i would not have expected that upon reading them until you know after reflecting upon the nightmares and how they you know one of the things you know you know this my nightmares are not typical you know the monster is out to get me they are episodic when i go to sleep i wake up the next morning in this world that is not what we are filming right now yeah spoiler uh how do you know which one is the real world they both are (laughs) you you have to just play by the rules if you can't escape it and i have not been able to escape a lot of those nightmares um the, that idea that this uh, that there's this thought that can possess you and drive you to these extraordinary terrible things is is, is really is uh, something that that speaks to today you know we, we see it you know in terms of algorithmic engagement things are being driven to us to make us think certain things we are being driven not into you know normalization but we are being driven into categorization you know you know specific you know uh, specifically being driven into these thoughts mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of terrifying when you think about it it's that also the, crazy to think that uh stories from our past 
sort of had some of those ideas so it's almost like their cosmic core is becoming truth at this point yeah the 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 discerning viewer will probably yeah there it is right there if you if you're trying to find the book it's it's there on the shelf uh, but no it, it you know uh chambers and the king in yellow um it and honestly it was one of those i i read it and i would have easily just dismissed it and thrown it into the i'm gonna put you in a book bin yeah. And then after uh, after a number of you know after a series of episodic nightmares, clearly inspired by them, I I had to completely you know reevaluate it just from my own experience that no there there really is something to that idea about this you know the, this quintessential truth this uh, this poison to the mind that you can't leave and it drives you to madness obsession and yeah. and and ter- and just terrible things so yeah um, it's also a very lynchian david lynch type oh, trope yeah, yeah. <laughs> like almost I mean, all of those things you know we, we all we all love dune if you don't you're wrong <laughs> yeah, and, but, uh, there, somewhere there's 200 angry people shaking their fists like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's gonna be that many people watching this <laughs> am i like a hundred of those viewers yes you are okay. <laughs> you're shaking your fist at yourself <laughs> why did you say that <laughs> God, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so you know back to the to the yellow wallpaper because uh you know when you talk about uh, the way the king in yellow obviously you know you're reading this play it makes you think these crazy thoughts uh, the, the reason i really like the yellow wallpaper is because one um i'm not sure the author was even meaning for it to be like cosmic horror you know in the sense like that later would be considered that like in those genres uh it's essentially a feminist book, an early feminist book about postpartum psychosis. Back in the day, uh, you know, they would say women have hysteria for whatever reason. And uh, vocab word. If you think it's weird that hysteria and hysterectomy have the same prefix, yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so the story itself, uh, you know, not to give too much away, but the main, uh, you know, Thing is that there's this woman who is diagnosed with hysteria and she's locked away in her husband's house like in a room with some dingy yellow wallpaper so that's where the name comes from uh and and she's just all she can do is really sleep and write in her diary so the story itself is her writing in the diary and us kind of getting her thoughts as she's locked in this room and through time she starts to go crazy as any of us would being in this small room so, you know, she starts to see things in the wall, women trapped, like different images. Uh, and you kind of throughout the entire story, uh, you kind of go insane with her because essentially you're seeing her slowly deteriorate mentally. And it, it's, it's a very interesting read. Um, you know, 1800, so like, it's not like some action pack thing, you know, uh, there's a lot there's a lot to read and maybe reread as you're reading it to kind of get it but it is definitely uh it's something that when you when you do like i said when you do apocalyptic log right when it's someone someone writing this diary of this like terrible fate that she's essentially given she's a prisoner in this room um they say that she's got hysteria and obviously is never going to be cured even though they say you're going to be cured if you're locked in this room and it just added it to my my bookshop.org oh yeah it's so we're just gonna 
it's just it's just one of those things where when i read it um and then you know it and i've like many different uh apocalyptic logs of course but i think this one really personifies why it could be so good and why that trope is so good yeah and honestly it, it, that is my just you describing it right now it's like no, I'm, I'm gonna buy this and there's a version of it for three bucks on bookshop.org which is strange but uh, no i that that is the kind of horror that i you know i i enjoy to read because honestly madness can mental health psa madness can come to any of us and the thing about insanity is that you don't know when you are insane the worst feeling in the world though is to know your thoughts are not your own but you cannot escape them at the moment and truthfully that that's what this sounds like to me is you know she you know locked in this room we know that that is literally the worst thing to possibly do to a human being mm-hmm. and especially uh, to you know postpartum depression so to do that to a mother right after giving birth inhumane barbaric but the of course you know this is her mind you know rebelling at that so yeah i'm gonna absolutely have to have to read that and, and experience this um, experience the story firsthand not just hearing your take on it but no that was that was very well like i am definitely not like i have to read it now <laughs> i have to yeah so i you know maybe i've inspired others to read it too um it's definitely it's definitely worth it it's pretty cool and, and if you throw shade at the apocalyptic clock maybe you'll steal you won't as much anymore <laughs> no, no, I'm, still, I'm still gonna give you crap about it because i have to you like it oh you like that you like that uh, my other so my other there, i have two other ones that i really want to get into my, my second one of course is one that you might be more in, inclined as we've talked about it things humans just weren't meant to know or see uh, and how that in and of itself can drive us mad because we're not supposed to see these things. We're not, we can't comprehend them. You know, obviously it could be ideas or, or artifacts, aliens, interdimensional type things, eldritch abominations. It could be so many things yeah. that well, cause these reactions um, in, in this trope. But it, it, to be honest, there's a, I don't know if you ever saw the anime Full Metal Alchemist, but they have one. Uh, you know, where seeing the truth makes you go insane on this one like concept that they're looking at. So there's like an entire part where it's like, can you do this? And the, the you know, the main character isn't even able to do it and actually has to be like brought back to life by somebody like, because it's, you know, anime, weird, crazy things are going on, you know? Yeah. A- anime definitely skirts the, you know, either, either it's really good or it's just skirting the, what in the absolute are you talking about <laughs> i censored myself he didn't yeah. have to silence me but uh yeah it, it's no it, it, there's plenty of animes like that you know the, the the artifacts that are just beyond our comprehension or beyond our control and, and it either drive us or things are drawn to it is is the thing like when when the universe decides there you are i've been looking for you mm-hmm. there's not a damn thing you yeah and i mean uh, it, again lovecraft obviously uh, he's has almost all these tropes at some point but then so shadow over insmith is a big one with this yeah. trope, of course yeah <laughs> you know, like, right right there we got 
the two compendiums. They've yeah. lots of overlap. I need to figure out which one is more. That's, a, that's another really good one that I like. And for people into weird comedic things, I, I, I think one time you told me you didn't like it, but Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is kind of a comedic way of looking at things. Well, that would be in another universe because yeah. in this universe, never said that. Oh, okay. I, I, I love, <laughs> no, I love Hitchhiker's Guide. Maybe Games. I've been trapped in different dimensions. Berenstein and Berenstain Bears. You know? Mandela effect. <laughs> But uh, but one the the one story that I really want to get into and maybe you you know you've uh, heard about this story by his bootstraps by uh, Robert A Heinlein uh, it was uh, written in 1941 so obviously war is in all of our minds um, so perhaps this has to do uh, with partly part of that not knowing where the world's going to be in in 10 20 30 years 100 years in the future because of these things. Uh, it was actually a short story, an astounding science fiction magazine, uh, and of course, written under a pseudonym, Anson McDonald, because everybody did that back then. <laughs> like, yeah, well, there's there's some, there, that was necessary, and I thought very popular writers did a good service to that. You, you brought Douglas Adams. Yeah. He went under a pseudonym when he wrote for Doctor Who, yeah. because a lot of Doctor Who episodes were actually written you know, by um, up-and-coming authors, and they would submit their scripts to, you know, to the Doctor Who production team, and some of them would get turned into it. But Douglas Adams knew if his name showed up in front of a Doctor Who episode, that would have killed any chance of any author saying, like, I'm not going to submit this. That's who they have writing these episodes. Yeah. So no, that they, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it works really well. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised for, for Heinland, at least. If they actually ask them, can we write this under a pseudonym? The checks are still coming to you. Yeah, you know exactly. And and again, the the magazine inside. If you, uh, I kind of miss these. They they don't really exist as much anymore because of the way medium mediums are now. But uh, it, it was essentially just anybody can submit short stories, and if they like them, they'd feature them in these magazines. And if you're into sci-fi or cosmic or anything, that you would just get, you would just subscribe to these and get a mail to your house, and maybe. Yeah. Or the ones I find now, it's like, you know, oh, there's this short story I really want to, I really want to own. And then I go and look it up and it's like in a compendium that costs like $88 on <laughs> eBay. And it's like, okay, well, to hell with eBay. Yeah. And then try to find it elsewhere. And it's like, oh, this thing cost $80 when it came out. What? <laughs> yeah. How? How? Yeah. Like I get your like 500 pages, but seriously still. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, this story in itself, time travel paradoxes, and we, and obviously in the Doctor Who, it's just nothing but paradoxes. But like uh, in this particular story, I thought it was really cool because uh, you have a 20th century traveler. He's essentially writing. Uh, he's trying to finish his graduate thesis in his room, um, and he ends up. Uh, there's a gate that opens up in his room, and and somebody comes in um, to his room that essentially calls themselves a different name but is kind of similar and says you know like come check this place out in the future and then a third person comes in and like there's like a big fight uh and the per and the, the the character in the beginning that just saw this portal open up is pushed into the future and you meet somebody named dictor uh and uh this dictor person is essentially you know telling them about the future and all the things that have happened and the, these alien beings the high ones uh essentially we look at them and go nuts so they essentially turned us all into compliant slaves by just being 
And it drove so. us all kind of mad. And civilization was dumb. But this dictator person is sort of the king and controlling everything somehow because the high ones are long gone, you know. Uh, so, you know, not to go too much into the story, uh, but it, it kind of it keeps diving deeper and deeper as the person keeps traveling back and forth through these portals until finally the person decides to travel, realizes, oh, I made it here before Dictor is even king. I can become king at this place. Happens to make the portal himself appear and ends up seeing the high ones and it turns his hair white. He goes kind of like, he, he's just in just complete shock and then realizes that literally it's just all different versions of himself and different dimensions and everything that are going through. But like the main point of the story is what's interesting. And uh, that's why you should read this for it to kind of get how all these things come together. And it, it, it just, it almost comes into not only are these high ones things that like are cause us to go nuts because we can't comprehend what they are, but traveling back and forth through time and seeing ourselves at different points in time also is something we can't comprehend. And even, even just the, uh, the, um, the life unlived is, uh, is kind of a horror in and of itself. I've had many a nightmare series of entirely you know uh, a lot of the nightmares are just really wrapped around that idea of like there's there was a single key event that changed in my life and it, it obviously you know cascades out into an entirely different life live and honestly it's it, you know sometimes it's really hard to have that open up and you now see that version of yourself what what you might have been and for, for many of those, I'm glad I didn't wind up like that. Because it very easily could have happened. And here, it's just one of those, uh, one of those series on this high ones that that sounds an awful lot like an inspiration to. Um, can't quite. It's on the tip of my tongue, and I was hoping I would remember it by now. But the the book that inspired the movie Bird Box. Oh, yeah. You know the the these creatures. You know we never see them and. For, according to some of the behind the scenes it's a good thing they never tried because when they actually tried to to show it um you know that the cast just laughed you know at it you know yeah. they saw it like it was ridiculous but the this idea that there are these creatures that simply by being can just drive us into madness it's yeah. you know we there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said about that i i personally it's one of those it's not just seeing the thing that drives you mad. It's the understanding that comes with it. Yes. yes. Now I'm going to just steal something and I can't even attribute it to where I'm stealing it from. So don't sue, don't sue me. Don't sue my friend. <laughs> um, but if an ant is walking along the surface of a circuit board, it has zero comprehension of what it's seeing. If, if it had any experience, it might be well, these are some really weird walls that I'm walking along. There's a lot of weird obstructions that I don't normally experience. To bring the ant to our level of consciousness and for it to look at the circuit board and to suddenly know that there is, you know, that these strange valleys and structures, you know, that it experiences actually have purpose, an incredible, terrifying purpose that it could never, ever in its little life utilize but then to take the ant and send it back down, if it can retain even just the thinnest of threads of that experience, what would that ant do? 
that's that's really another like kind of oh, yeah, true that's... true cosmic horror trope you know the forbidden knowledge or just behind the veil yeah. is uh, you know to now imagine this to a human and what levels would a human have to yeah. go to and then to be forced back into it and there's really only you know most of those stories there's really only two paths that character comes through or comes to and it's uh either they're just driven to some gibbering madness in like a pre-catatonic state yeah. or they are just filled with this awful dangerous obsession and a willingness to do any evil or vile act necessary to get back to that state and you know you, you brought up before the you know with neil with neil gaiman's dream you know they perform this ritual and now he's imprisoned and it's one of those really was he that all powerful yeah. or did he just decide I'm going to play along with this for a while? Yeah. Because honestly, if I saw a bunch of ants again, stealing this, don't sue me or, or my friend here. If I saw a bunch of ants like doing a weird little circle dance and somehow were able to pronounce my name without with their little insect uh, vocal cords or whatever they've got, I'm not a biologist. I did not take many biology classes. <laughs> um, and, and I'd be like, well, this has my attention let's let's hear what they have to say yeah now whatever they demand it's it's completely my choice and i can choose to be whatever kind of person i want to either fulfill or ignore those requests so mm -hmm. you know again when you look at cosmic horror you have to you have to put it in that you know through that 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 lens of like what is the real intention here and it in in all honesty it's whatever those creatures are it's absolutely ineffable and I so rarely get to use that word. And I do love that word. <laughs> I'm but, glad you did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to flex my vocab. Because honestly, I know I've been sitting on that word most of my life. And now I get to use it. You know, when, when you have these ineffable motives of these higher beings and they, they decide to, you know, play along at our level, it's, it's absolutely awful to think what they might do. And what we might do in order to get back to that or to get to that yeah definitely uh and i mean i think that goes to to this story too because it essentially creates like this crazy time loop of things so it also fits into the trope of do we really have control over anything and if we do is it just control because it was meant to happen in the first place and then you talk about the the when you go back to you know dream or morpheus back in the sandman um, if, it, if, you know, if it is true that he uh, let himself be imprisoned just to essentially, you know, experience this new thing and, and, and take some, take some time off to what he was normally doing or whatever, mm -hmm. or, or the being who like doesn't actually have a sex, but, you know, like there's no gender to the, to the being itself, but like, it's just, you know, the creating stories in his head that like you know end up becoming reality maybe maybe dream just wanted that wanted that chance to create new universes and dimensions like pretty certain that's an episode of uh, star trek right there yeah. with picard and the, the q oh i'm one sure the, one of the q that wants to die and he's like i've done everything i could possibly ever do yeah and now it's just time to die it, it, it a lot of these things get recycled too, too mm -hmm. as well like uh, i guarantee you there's there's actually there are multiple uh, Star Trek, both the original series and you know the new series that use some of these things. You could tell that the writers had those influences as well from exactly. you know the time frames. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's just uh, 
you know, it, it is in a lot of them and that's why I like it. And, and actually that's a good segue to, to, um, to the last one, because I think this is one of my favorites and it's, you know, uh, you know, it's a part of body horror, but, uh, it's mainly about the mind control parasite that might not be a parasite per se, but it's something that's essentially controlling our actions, whatever that may be. Invasion of the body snatchers would be one, even though it's not, uh, it's essentially the aliens are taking over and the, we don't exist anymore. Right. Uh, but uh, that, that kind of a, of a tale is what goes into this one. Um, Shadow out of time, another one of my all-time Lovecraft favorites. You know, uh, dreaming about another alien dimension, and, and as if you're that alien. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. There's there's so much, um, you know, Cthulhu or non-Cthulhu or non-Cthulhu mythos stories that Lovecraft wrote. Um, really, just driving that idea of. The ex- experiencing something otherworldly and wondering how how is that possible and mm-hmm. the after effects of of those experiences uh, i the, the one short story i keep coming back to um, somewhere over my shoulder is uh you know uh, pull up polaris you know this man is uh, obsessed and terrified with the star and he feels that it casts this ghostly light and wherever it touches he can see into some unnamed past and there's some coming apocalypse and he is like desperate to try and like stop it you know he knows that this place doesn't exist when in his time and it will be completely forgotten yet everyone he talks to no one is listening to him that like some coming apocalypse is is going to wipe them you know wipe all memory of them from the earth and they just look at him as if he's this crazy person and and of course like all you know uh, actually i'll stop there no spoilers yeah yeah exactly uh, for me, Tommy Knockers by Stephen King, the book, the, the, the movie, a lot of Stephen King things translated into film aren't all that great. Some are good, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are TV kind of nonsense, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, to be honest. But uh, yeah, there's one high point, The Mist. Just Yeah, The, the Mist is, is one of them. For that, sure. That's the bar for me for Stephen <laughs> King. Anything that I can't think of anything above, uh, The Outsider was good. That was a serial, but yeah, the best everything. Yeah, it's one. It's just one of those. Apparently, uh, you know, Stephen King did not like the the Tim Curry it as well. Like he was a little upset. That's why he wanted the new one to be made. I guess that's that's (laughs) interesting. Yeah, I love the Tim Curry. How are you? How are you introduced to Tim Curry? It's like, well, you had like Legend, or you had It, or you had you know. Muppet Treasure Island, <laughs> or you had Rocky Horror Picture. Like, yeah, how you introduced to Tim Curry. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, you know, in Tommy Nagas, I don't know if you've uh, know the concept, but a spaceship is found by a young uh, woman, Bobby and Bobby Anderson, with an eye. Bobby with an eye. Uh, Jim Gardner uh, helps her unearth it as they're digging it up. He's like, he actually is like a, a suicidal writer. Like that is just like the only reason he doesn't commit suicide is because he noticed says something's wrong in Bobby as she tells him that she found this weird uh you know like craft that she's digging up and essentially what happens is almost like body snatchers in and of itself the more that the thing is dug up people in the town start to essentially turn into these new alien creatures that were like from the spaceship so it's like emanating yeah. some sort of an energy yeah that, that one was uh that was an interesting one I mean 
you know, the, the made for TV movie or whatever it was. Yeah, if you could just imagine the special effects when the movie came out. It's <laughs> really bad. They, they aired it on USA an awful lot. I, yeah. I do remember that. But, you know, that, that is, a, you know, that is a, you know, an important thing where it's like we, we dig up the, the thing, the knowledge we are, you know, we dig up something with knowledge that we're not meant to know. And, you know, or Lovecraft had, you know, At the Mountains of Madness, yeah. very much like that. Um, At the Mountains of Madness, I read too long, A, too long ago, and B, I just was probably not mature enough to really appreciate it. Um, really? re- recently, I watched something and it, it immediately made me think of At the Mountains of Madness. It was called uh, the Black Mountain Side. And in that movie, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's filmed, you know, very far north, like up in Canadian practical, like tundra. I don't want to say it's like a geography, not my forte. You, you need you need some mechanical engineering done. You need some math done on your guy. If you need help with geography trivia, I'm not going to help you there. Um, <laughs> wherever they are, I don't know if they're like above the Arctic Circle, um, but they find a temple, and as they start digging it up, weird things start happening. And oh, it's yeah. just the you know it was just this very good use of uh, you know the, of, of practical you know it, it it touched on all those things like you know there's forbidden knowledge. It touched on, you know, the things you know, behind the veil. It touches on the body gore. You know, people are, are changing, being changed, being manipulated. And then in the end, it, you know, people are at the very, you know, at the very end of it, you know, people are being told truths that they're not meant to have, to know. And it was, it was a very, it was a very good movie. I, I really enjoyed it. And some, it's on, it's in some sleeve of DVDs that I, keep in the house and we'll watch that every so often like i've made sure to get that one after i saw it yeah so no it's a there's something to be said about that when you find something you're not supposed to what happens to you and those around you yeah and how it affects everything and and, i mean you know any kind of mind control or body horror is obviously could be quite terrifying Uh, and it doesn't even have to be turning into some crazy gory monster it could just be a simple transformation i mean body snatchers everyone looked the same Mm -hmm. they just acted weird and different and you know um back to you know again my favorite flavor of uh, the mind poison there's um there was this thing that the this thought experiment that caught my attention there's there's plenty of things that are wrong with the, the logic behind it and the philosophy behind it. It was really just academics arguing at each other, but the, the, the thought experiment was labeled as uh, Rocco's basilisk. Right. And the idea goes like this and sometime in the near future and artificially sentient intelligence will be created and it will decide that everyone who thought of its existence, but did not help it, come online will be punished so now all of you listeners out there you all are now going to get punished if you don't help bring this machine online because now this is a thought that will put this is like the the barest essence of a poisonous thought if you do not help bring this thing online and online it will come you will be punished for not having done anything for it so what happens to people now you know, but do we work to ensure that it can never come online only to find ourselves that we are at the top of the list of those that are going to be punished, you know, and to think that we could even hide from such a thing. Um, the, the, the name itself, the basilisk in, in folklore, it, you know, it has a gaze that when it looks upon you, it can kill you, you know, very reminiscent of like, you know, the Gorgons and Medusa, you know, the, the, the gaze that turns you to stone 
the basilisk that that can can kill you. Yeah. There's a basilisk in Harry Potter, right? There is, I believe. Second one, I think. Yeah, not a fan. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't like them when I was young. I will eventually read them before my son reads them, but whatever. Yeah. Um, the the yeah, that idea, this this basilisk, this idea that once it comes across you, it you are now poisoned. You you are now driven to either, you know, one one extreme or the other. There is no in between. And that right there, when I read that, I I was just captivated and really inspired. Uh, and then, of course, uh, some other things happened in the world. I will, we don't need to go down them, but yeah, it definitely inspired a number of, of you know, horrific, awful nightmares that maybe one day I will uh, write down and probably worth it, you know, probably could get something on Netflix with the, yeah. just the things that I've got. But yeah, that's, a, that's an amount of effort I'm not willing to take today. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, we can go down the whole of of uh, different the different flavors of Cosmic Horror and all the stories and different things uh, for many, many podcasts. We'd probably be on here for like six days straight talking about some of this stuff. Oh, honestly. Um, so, you, you know, at some point it's like, okay, uh, don't want to spoil everything. You know, maybe one day we will be back and talking about more Cosmic Horror. But I do want to finish up this podcast by talking about how Cosmic Horror may be influenced some of the things that uh, that uh, you know we've thought of, maybe some ideas we've had about stories and things like that. And I know you've had many dreams, so you've had many things. There's actually a couple of things you talked to me about, but we'll get to that in a second. But of course, before we move on to that, I think it's time to try a new beer. So let's let's get that beer going. Beer number three. All right. So I I, I think we are both delving into madness because we're about to have this solstice saison before we get into these influences here. We're going to open this at the same time uh, so that you hear it. That's a that's a nice sound, isn't it? But uh, hilariously, uh, at this point, I just noticed that the video is recording quite weird to where I'm pretty sure we both slipped into separate dimensions um, into points where I'm going to reach my hand through the portal right now. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I will perform a magic trick here. I will make my head disappear. <laughs> and I'm going to bring the beer into... Whoa! <laughs> yeah, like, you can't blame Cosmic Madness on that. No, just my stupidity and my clumsiness. We'll blame it on inebriation. <laughs> a party foul. But as you can see, there's this weird portal that we found that we're traveling through. We're talking through dimensions, apparently. I've never seen this happen with any of my equipment in the past. But you know what? We're talking about Cosmic Core. Uh, I'm just going to go with it. So, you know, anyone listening is not going to know what's going on. But anyone on YouTube can see a hilarious, uh, you know, half recording with uh, with ghost hands coming through a portal. Yeah, something, something's messed up. That's a fun one. I, I like it. And I bet if you tried, you could never quite recreate it. No, this will never happen again because, again, I've never seen this ever. It's like recording half the video and the other half is frozen. It's like two, it's like half the frames are frozen and the other half are recording normally. And since some viewers was like someone who's like partially blind after like a stroke. (laughs) That's weird. It's like the camera is, you know, just like, I don't, I can't see out of this side anymore. So I'm just going to imagine what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it is a very interesting thing. So uh, let's check out this Solstice Saison. I am, I love the smell. 
Yeah, it definitely has the saison, my spice kind of fruitiness, that smell going up. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, this I I, I for one enjoy saisons. That's uh, you know, it, it it's kind of a lighter beer too, like this one in and of itself. And of course it's from uh Castle Danger Brewery. And I'm pretty sure as uh we've been recording that this is the half video and the portal that is created happened recently in the video because uh i remember the last time i showed you guys a beer that it wasn't doing this so i don't know when this happened but uh but anyway uh the the solstice saison in and of itself from castle danger uh which was the same as the other beer um it, it it's uh, mellow but you definitely get the kind of fruitiness and the spiciness that it has what if the portal is actually like blocked all the sound waves from your voice to cam like so you're like not even there are we even sure anyone uh, anyone but me can see you that you, you sure you're not just a figment of my imagination that that could be possible yeah <laughs> am i drinking your beers does that count towards my bac yeah so this is maybe it's a portal where this is uh you know i'm coming through with this beer but maybe it's actually just you <laughs> It's just that other, you know, that third arm. From yeah. As we were talking about buys bootstraps, that's kind of funny. Like, you know, I think I've gone mad by the high ones at this point. Uh, but <laughs> the fact that I'm keeping this in the video and not re-recording, one, we don't have the time. And two, <laughs> again, it fits perfectly. And it fits perfectly with the whole influence question that I wanted to get to because um, it influenced me a lot and to the point to where someone who's into writing as myself as a kid, uh, just I dove into all these different, uh, you know, sci-fi cosmic horror type tropes. And, uh, you know, I've written, uh, multiple things as a kid including a novel uh hilariously when uh i was uh you know it was like between eighth grade and freshman year to like sophomore year of high school uh called the unraveling of stilettoville and don't ask me why i named the town stilettoville i thought it sounded cool back then <laughs> like <laughs> maybe not thinking about the whole shoe aspect and how it, you know, it kind of sounds like it's some sort of a weird stripper whore or something. <laughs> weird brothel. Yeah. Still that Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but essentially the story itself kind of dove into, uh, you know, the psychological whore um, and, and the uncertainty of what happens after death. Uh, it, it was a group of friends, all influential in a town, uh, and uh, including uh, one that was the mayor of the town with his wife and they were having one of their parties that they always do inviting their friends over and they're going to play games and all that one of their friend does, doesn't show up and uh, through and then at this point through the journey they realize that the something's wrong with the town like they're it's people seem to be missing uh, lights seem to be off that normally aren't off uh, and they're again worried about their friend and th then they, they visit a neighboring town and, th and they go to the hospital in this town because that's the hospital that uh, you know also is supposed to help their town to see if maybe something happened to their friend and, and the, 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 the phone lines and all that are out so they have to go there and then you know they, they kind of meet people that are strange they don't seem 
like they belong or they know what's going on, almost like they're outsiders, even though they're not used to it. And it keeps kind of going deeper and deeper as they all start to turn on each other because like mob mentality starts to get into it because now it's like they're all becoming a part of their own madness. And then at times, some of them disappear and they don't know where each other are now. And now it's just like, what's going on? It was kind of feeding into you know, reading Philip K. Dick type novels like Ubik as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, essentially the whole point of the story is like, you know, what happens after death? Like, are they, uh, you know, when, when you die, is there these other dimensions that you end up being and do you ever really die? Things like that. You know, spoiler alert for myself. Um, I don't necessarily, uh, you know, subscribe to the normal religion, spiritual heavens and hells, but, uh, you know, part of cosmic horror is not understanding those things and kind of looking at the bigger perspective of what might happen and you know you're when you die it's like you don't exist anymore you're not thinking but what if you just slip into another dimension and that's what like kind of what i was going with with that story and, and uh you know it, cosmic horror obviously a huge influence on it there were a lot of horror elements in it but it was mostly psychological it was a lot of philosophical type things like there was one scene I remember writing where uh, one of the characters ends up, uh, you know, coming to in a field after passing out and they don't know where they are and they just see trees around them, like a forest. And so they're like, but they're like the field that they're in is like a circle. So the whole point is they're like, uh, what am I doing here? I'm just going to run through this forest to get through. They run through the forest and they come out and they're in the same circle, almost like it's just they're just in like their own sort of time loop or portal. Space loop, yeah. Um, very, very uh, into the tall grass. Stephen King, great, great cosmic horror, very well done. Patrick Wilson stars. Yeah, check that one out. Then um, definitely getting the. I mean, it, it, the field is so so large. You you can't you can't have it's it's so hard to have an original idea and i myself will admit i've never had an original idea yeah but you know monsters are doing maple street from twilight zone yeah and, and again but another yeah, influence of the story and you remember i'm a freshman at this point so it's the things that i read and saw exactly and, and but yeah re, that's the thing we, we are inspired to you know because more often than not there we have our own fears that we need to work through and i i you know no exception to the rule. I, I also seem to work through them in strange, bizarre dreams, which they do get written down in the sense, or not in the sense, they do get written down. And then I do, you know, cast them a little bit. I was like, oh, wait, I'm going to put this in, and I'm going to put this, I'm going to change this detail so that it, it works a little bit differently. And then it will, uh, you know, meet a different narrative that I want to tell. Because not often it's exactly, you know, when I write down my dreams, they're not exactly the same, um, but they're close enough. And there's a record of them, you know, for me in, in high school. Um, so anyone who is watching this and was on something called Accutane, maybe you had a different experience than myself, but everyone I know had a very bad experience on that uh, drug used to treat acne. It's a vitamin A derivative. Sounds like it would be very natural and totally okay for you to take. No, it changes your brain chemistry in order to increase 
uh, your body's antibodies to attack the bacteria that causes nodular acne. And it has just a slew of other effects, uh, most of which were mental, you know, changing brain chemistry is no slight thing to do. Um, literally that lump of mass up there, you just change a few, you just change a little bit of it, you know, increase the conductivity between certain neurons and suddenly you are a different person. Um, that was my, I mean, high school is already just this awful melodramatic production of the worst kind. And now like, we're going to just add in other chemical influences to make it worse. Mm -hmm. um, I stopped sleeping. And when I did sleep, I dreamt I was awake and it never stopped to this day. If I dream, I dream I'm awake and it's just an entire day. And, and you know, one of the, one of the scariest stories, which I'll just abbreviate was yeah. the, you know, like, like you, um, I woke up in, I woke up uh, having crashed my car into a ditch. And that's the, you know, just that, you know, becoming aware of awareness and just looking around just disoriented and not knowing where I was or why I was there. Um, that was the entire first part of the dream. And then the second night, you know, I come to the next day and I'm in a hospital and my friends are there and they're trying to be very supportive, but, you know, just in my own disoriented state, something is wrong and I, I can't quite put my finger on it and never, and throughout all of those dreams, you know, it was, again, this sense of an, a life unlived in, in those dreams. I never took my, you know, my mother's maiden name. I actually took my grandmother's maiden name and now, you know, like when, and so now this is an entire different life of, so, and it was one of those details that I wasn't really, it didn't make sense to me until finally I saw it. And I was like, wait a minute, this is how I got to that point. Um, you know, all of, you know, looking through those memories, this is how I wound up where I was. Yeah. And through the dreams, I began to grow very suspicious of my four friends who were trying to help me through my recovery and in this world, you know, I was trying to, you know, get back my job. I was a researcher, a physicist who was working in like high energy physics and, you know, just, but in my spare time working on lots of crazy stuff, because even in that world, you're not going to get rid of the fact that I am just a huge nerd and love, lover of science fiction. So warp drives and time travel, of course, I'm going to just throw just some God awful equations at a blackboard and see what sticks. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but there was something off about my friends. You know, they were, they were altogether too helpful. And there was this mem there was this lost memory of months in advance to the car crash and whatever I was suffering from in, you know, leading up to that time was completely absent from me. I, I couldn't remember it. And given what the person I was, the, you know, this, you know, this researcher, this academic, you know, it's one of those problems where you just have to think harder at it. Yeah. And I began becoming consumed with the idea of trying to distract my mind enough to remember what had happened in those months leading up to the crash. And the whole time, despite my friend's best efforts to be supportive of me, I am only growing more and more suspicious of them. There's something about it where I 
and at all times feeling as though I am a burden to them. I am not their friend. I am almost their ward. They are at all times controlling what I am doing and what I am, you know, what I'm doing, where I'm going, what I'm eating, what I'm thinking. It, it was unbearable. And so instead of, you know, my normal, the normal recovery process of physical therapy and, and counseling, I'm instead just pulling off all the books off of my, you know, off of my bookshelf, trying to reread them all with just too, too much speed and not, a, and not able to just stop. You know, I, I am consumed by the idea of if I can just relax my mind enough, I will recall it. But of course, now the very act of this, the obsession of it is going to prevent that. But this whole time throughout the dream, there was something that I wasn't telling anyone. It was that my own reflection was no longer mine. Yeah. There was something wrong with it as well. It, it no longer followed my movements. It was looking at me through the mirror and it knew what I had forgotten. And this, so throughout it, and in the and in the dream itself, there were four books that I would I had put aside. Like I'll get to those later. And I had four friends who were to this day still very dear to me. And that's when the pat the pattern started to form, and all of these other you know symmetries were being aligned, and the you know the number four began cropping up everywhere. And uh, this is definitely one of those, the forbidden knowledge yeah. where I, whatever I had learned, my friends made sure I would forget it and locked inside of those four books were four passages that when each of them read one of them, it would unlock a key memory that would have allowed me to remember what I had done and what I had built more importantly. And that was this terrifying experience like just night after night after night of just living this upset you know for weeks on end just living this you know obsession and this madness and the fear and and not knowing who to trust anymore like to wake up and to look at my best friend and to only see him in him or her in the light of that dream it, it's it's unnerving so mental health and mental health psa just you should really trust your doctors yeah <laughs> If they tell you you need to relax, you need to relax. Yeah, it, that's. I mean, that story in and of itself is uh, definitely one that I feel. Um, when you look at those different things that you had to deal with in the dream itself, and and you know this is your own dream, so it's like your own kind of nightmare that you're dealing with. Yeah. My it, own fears manifest as. Uh, as that, I mean that that in me. and of itself is cosmic horror, and all the things that we've read. Like so, it's kind of. It, that's why I think that sometimes it influences us a lot because there's a lot of reality in it. And uh, in this day and age, when we're looking at, uh, you know, to, to, to kind of bring it into sports too, there's a lot more players that are suddenly like, I'm going to take time away because I need to get mental health. And, and it's like this big oh. thing and, and it's going into entertainment as well. You know, musicians, different people. And it, it used yeah. to not be a thing. No, you, you had to always be on. And uh, there was a, a meme shared with me uh, recently really drove the point home. If you're always at your best, then that's just your average. And so you can't always be at your best. And like these, these players, these professionals, um, they always have to be at their best. And it is incredibly draining. I think uh, like Ryan Reynolds recently announced he was going to take a break 
from uh, you know from from film, which was actually unfortunate because I just finished reading Project Hail Mary, and a different Ryan is going to be playing him in the movie Ryan Gosling. But there's a particular line in Andy Weir's Project Hail Mary, um, and the moment I read it, I could only read it in Ryan Reynolds' voice. So the whole book is narrated with Ryan Reynolds now. So I'm really sad to read that or to find out that Ryan Gosling, nothing against him, but I just, you know, I giggled an awful lot just imagining Ryan Reynolds reading this entire book in my head. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but yeah, but to go back to it is it's incredibly, it's incredibly difficult for a lot of these people and we don't appreciate it because, well, you know, they're just paid such exuberant amounts of money and like they should just deal with it. It's like, no, you can't deal with it. Yeah. The human body and the human mind is not designed to deal with these things. I mean, post-concussive disorder, it you know, it lingers for weeks, if not months, after a traumatic brain injury. You can't just you know flip it on and you know, flip it off and just get you know put on you know your helmet and be on the field again. Yeah, that's and not how it works. That it also affects later in life now with uh, not just CTE but some other disorders that are coming out mm-hmm. um, yeah. that, that deal with depression and mental health and that's why there's been some players like Junior Seau that killed themselves so. yeah I, I will I will never shy away from mental health just from my own experiences with it um, you know anyone any one of my friends who knows me they know I will you know, I, I am not I'm not ashamed or abashed at all by discussing these things because honestly there's this, you know, there's this small gray lump of matter that literally defines everything about you. You are nothing more than a mind. Everything else is your appendage. Mm-hmm. And if you can't trust that first part of it, well, what else can you possibly hope to accomplish? So, yeah, yeah uh, sorry. Derailed the, this, uh, you know, derailed the idea of, you know, going to uh, you know, the different professions and such like that but sorry so yeah i mean but i mean still though that's important that, that kind of goes through it too is sometimes uh sort of facing our the the fears and and different things through media help us in real life as well because i mean no matter how much we dive into these things you know that it's a, just a film or just a book mm-hmm. but at the same time sometimes we uh, face our fears by escaping them by seeing the same thing you know or by imagining an even greater fear which honestly yeah. is also not yeah. terribly healthy but yeah you know i think uh again patently stealing someone without attribution um, most dystopian fiction is just taking terrible things that are already happening to underprivileged people and applying it to the privilege yeah so I, I i get it and it's um and I, I don't get it i i try to i want to understand yeah. it so that I can ensure that it never happens to anyone else again. Yeah. You know, that, that's really what all this is about. You know, again, cosmic horror for me has always made me just question what it was that was valuable and focus on that instead of the things that I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. We can I can always imagine something scarier and the real the scariest thing is just making sure that I'm here for the things that are real. Yeah. Know and knowing what is real and what is not real. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, <clears throat> kind of for myself too, like kind of going back to another story that I wrote, which uh, kind of deals with uh, us as humans, maybe not understanding 
going too deep that forbidden knowledge i guess is one of the tropes it would be but uh uh, this is one of my space stories that I came up with, and uh, it was called The Cannibalistic Mind of the New Civilization. And it was, uh, it actually became a semifinalist in the 62nd uh, World Science Fiction um, Convention. Uh, it was called Noriscon because there's been four of them. It was in Boston, it's been in Boston four times, and every time it's there, they call it Noriscon. So this was yeah. Noriscon four. And uh, <clears throat> I was a semi-finalist. If I was a finalist, I would have literally got flown out to Boston, a hotel, like all those things. I would have been featured on their thing. Uh, but there were still only 27 other semi-finalists. So I don't know. It, it was a world thing. So the that, fact that I was a semi-finalist, I'm always... Oh, no, that's awesome. I, I, how have I not... All the time I've known you, I've never heard this. I, mean, yeah, we've I, I probably about, not brought it up. No, I, I brought it up. <laughs> Gosh, how many times have I brought up my garbage nonsense dreams? And you never <laughs> once tell me you were a semifinalist with something you wrote. Like, come yeah. on, like, hell, I thought I was the one who wrote just an ungodly amount of weird fiction because, again, I had two lives to live every time I went to sleep. So yeah. I just wrote it, I just put it down in a journal and then blew the minds of all the other, you know, teenagers in high school who wouldn't dare dream of those dark yeah. spaces that are butted up against them. So yeah, what's funny about it too is it actually started as a, it was like a school thing for creative writing class I was in, but it was just uh, essentially it was uh, you know, I the first like part of it was written for this project, but then within that our teacher was like, oh, there's this convention, so if anybody wants to finish it and write a full short story, that's amazing. Did it you know go ahead and we could get this done so i so i finished the story after the initial part that i got graded on whatever <laughs> it essentially the intro part that uh begins it is uh it's it's like kind of our present day and there's a secret government uh program they've essentially discovered how to travel about the speed of light so like we could go discover these galaxies and they send out kind of a reconnaissance ship to go out and look for things uh and we get the mind of the, the people on this ship and like uh, the couple of characters that are on it. Well, they're in this one solar system and they find this planet that looks to be a planet that could be habitable. Uh, and uh, so they're like, oh, like we're gonna check this out. Well, it turns out that the gravity is so great on this planet that they get too close and it brings the ship into it. And essentially it, it crashes. Well, those so terrible astronavigators. Yeah. They exactly on that a while from far away yeah they didn't get the readings i guess but like so they didn't look but again it's it is our time so maybe they're not as good as, as uh you know we think they are anyway hundreds of years pass in the future and this is a forgotten program pretty much it was so secret that it never was mentioned no one even knew it existed these people just disappeared um you know, like, so it, it's just nothing that happens. Now we're in the, like, we're so far in the future that essentially the entire earth is now, one, it's united as one, there's an earth president. Um, and they've actually gone out to the stars and like, you know, we've populated other solar systems and planets, uh, but the one sector that the, the original ship went is one that we never went. And they decide we're going to send out our first ship here and get our first colony here. And it's like this big celebration and everyone that's ready to go and be like the first settlement. They're super excited. So, of course, they go and, and later, you know, 
since no one's going to like, it's not like this is online or anything. I don't care about finishing the story, but essentially the people are going to, they, they go and, and again, come in contact with this gravity and, and are just pulled to the planet and crash, but they survive. Um, and they come out and they're just like, what's going on? Well, they end up meeting the old characters because the, the even though it's been hundreds of years in the future, they essentially, uh, the planet itself creates this kind of a crazy evolution and they've almost became hive minds on this planet. Like, <laughs> like and, and, and the whole thing is that uh, they've essentially become like energy cannibals. So like, and, and the whole thing is- So, you know, Colin Robinson's. Yes, Colin Robinson's. Uh, but it, it's a different kind of a thing because essentially they, uh, uh, the whole point of it is that uh, there's like a big part at the end that I have uh, where I brought in the color of the pilot's eyes so that you know it's the pilot because at first you don't know who this is. You think it's just a creature on this planet and, and maybe you would like kind of get the foreshadowing and everything but I, I brought the eye color in so that everyone knew like oh it's the, the pilot but uh, essentially he, he goes into a thing of don't you like he doesn't even consider himself human anymore like don't you humans understand that like you know the things that you do without actually having the the knowledge and like the the overall understanding you just do it to do it without like having any worry about what it means to do it and it sickens me and 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 i feel this in you and uh you know Essentially, the whole thing is like you're dooming yourselves, humans, because now we have your ship and we can repair it, and we're gonna go. And yeah, the, the ignorance of human of humanity knows no bounds, and that's I mean, there's no mm -hmm. there's no dearth of of uh, examples of that in modern day life. I can't uh, don't need to go into that. That's a different podcast. Yeah. It, but, it, again, it's semi-finalist, so people liked it. I guess out of senior year of high school. So uh, that's awesome. I mean, I've had. I wrote uh, an awful lot. I had an absolute saint of a English teacher in, in high school. Um, he, I, I couldn't write a linear paper to save my life. And uh, if it doesn't come through in this video, you know, most of my brain is a very abstract, nebulous, you know, word map, like bubble word map of just things at all times and it's just spinning around in lots of different directions yeah you know got a got a little uh, equation here the uh, four-dimensional algebra of quaternions so my brain works in very weird ways uh or, uh, i should say weird it just works in non-standard ways to most people so my uh but anyways my english teacher he let the, I think the I think he just felt bad for me, so he gave me a lot of extra credit for. I wrote, uh, you know, we had to write just ten pages of our musings on literature and uh, just you know how it affected us, and I would write you know at least forty to eighty pages each week, mostly just you know what what it was about literature and what it inspired me, and then what was what I was inspired to write, um, you know, it, from it, and so I wrote just a just an absolute mind dumping of different short stories and every week we would be allowed to talk about like you know what we were thinking about or what was interesting to us and every week I would just share my nonsense that I was the weird fiction I would come up with and every week everyone would just like talk to me about it afterwards you know so I knew I was actually reaching them it wasn't just I wasn't being humored which is the worst feeling in the world as I've said before one of my fears is you know people 
having you know people acting one way but feeling another way that that was that the entire the entirety of that dream but you know I, I was actually engaging in ways that with people who were not actual friends but just peers and but I was actually reaching them with what I was writing it's just some something about it that they hadn't heard before or hadn't considered before was very interesting and that's always what I've been I've always been interested in the strange and unusual uh things because if few people are interested in it well i probably got a book about it somewhere on, <laughs> on the shelves so yeah you know, sure. I, I definitely always you know it, it's always in the things that you don't look at that you find inspiration so yeah that's at least for me yeah that, that's been the the driving force so the moment semi-finalists come on like here i'm like i wrote some stuff in high school that be, that all these other teenagers liked whoop-de-doodle like, yeah yeah I, i'm sure it's just as good i mean it has to do with what you submit and you know, I, yeah. I didn't even i was so amazed that it made it that far and then then it makes it that far and you're just like it's really cool i, I wish i was a semi-final one of the seven but you know it's cool i'll be one yeah, i'll be I, one of the 27 you know? here i was uh, you know on like you know the the different like scholastic bowl circuits or you know i was in like the the statistics team and we went to state and placed like seventh or something like that and then yeah. my teacher was just like you are not interested in in being here or participating why are you even here it's like they said there'd be pizza it's like <laughs> That's going to be the title of your biography. <laughs> and it's like, yes. So maybe I'll start my own podcast or my own blog. And that, not, that would be a good you know, name for it. But yeah, exactly. They said there'd be pizza. My own musings about you know academia or engineering or yeah. just uh, just whatever other random thoughts I want to put on the internet because uh, they they shouldn't just be in my own brain or maybe they should. I'm not yeah. sure. And of course, I mean, I'm still influenced by this. And anybody that's watched my Fan, uh, fantasy football theme story it definitely dives into it's it's sci-fi post-apocalyptic a lot of cosmic horror slight i call it slightly cosmic horror because obviously i have the comedy of fantasy football in there and there's uh there's some jokes strewn throughout but the main cosmic horror part i really wanted to make kind of freaky so you know in its own way just dealing with fantasy football but i i uh always use cosmic horror when i can and anything uh play arkham horror with friends when i can as well so uh i'm just uh, it's definitely been something that uh, was awesome and that's why i wanted to do this podcast why i wanted to talk to you because i know you're um, you're, you're the same way honestly uh, super stoked that you you would consider me because yeah i it's one of those like i've only just not recently i mean this was post-college but that was a while ago that it that it finally dawned on me that this is the thing that I've always been drawn to you know yeah. it was equal parts the or it, it was simultaneously the best parts of my outlooks on life but also the worst parts of my fears in one and for me it's always about the balance of you know the, the you know it's always about the balance you, you know too much positivity or too much negativity and you're just a toxic creature to be around and you know if you're not looking at things as a realist or realism is subjective i suppose but yeah you know i i always try to take in all those viewpoints like your your character you know you human sicken me by yeah not not by not understanding the full implications of your decisions and yeah. honestly though some 
as an engineer, I, I am consumed with those thoughts. You know, they're, they're, you know, when you actually look at all, at how all the things are connected from, you know, from one point to another, it, it really is mind numbing, if not, you know, it, it's awesome and terrifying. The, the amount of connect, the connectivity from one start to another, pulling at any thread. So, and yeah, if, and when you have, when you see that so often and you have to ask yourself, where does the connections end? Mm-hmm. You know, where, where does that, you know, where does this, you know, where do these influences end? And it never does. It's constantly, you know, re-engaging and reintegrating and reconnecting and, you know, beyond everything else. And that's all that there is. So yeah, it's a little, it's a little daunting when you, when you <laughs> have that realization, it's like, huh, this decision I make, if I don't decide when to stop thinking about it, I will never stop thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I wanted uh, you to be on this because I knew you'd have some, some cool things to say about it. Just like myself. So I, that I it's not just opinions. So that it's just the ram- It's not just the ramblings of me. It's the ramblings of both of us. Yeah, it's our, <laughs> it's our <talking> ramblings. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, I know you, uh, I had fun doing this as well. Hopefully we could do this again uh, in the future. Oh, yeah. We still have lots of cosmic core to get to. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll have to, I'll have to move all of the horror section into the center instead of the, you know, instead of the far, far, well, it'd be stage left. So yeah, stage left. <laughs> You know, I hope everyone listening obviously had as much fun as us. Uh, you know, maybe you had a few beers yourself because we enjoyed the ones we tried. Uh, if you hadn't tried those, you should definitely give them a try. Castle Danger um, and, uh, you know, Central Waters, two, two very good breweries, uh, I have yeah. to say. Yeah, well, it's Castle Danger, Solstice Saison, and the uh, Central Waters were certainly my favorites. I, I love the, uh, the Unsettled. Yeah. Yeah, the unsettled was really good. Definitely a good segue into Cosmic Core as well. <laughs> uh, on the YouTube version, please feel free to comment uh, uh, with your favorite Cosmic Core stories, or if you have any originals or yourself ideas, things like that. I think that'd be fun to have. Or just tell me where I stole all of the things I said. <laughs> also, comment about this hilarious portal that we've created. <laughs> maybe it's like a maybe it's a time slip maybe i'm three seconds in the past yeah or maybe he is just a figment of my own imagination (laughs) everyone on the audio is like what is happening (laughs) anyone listening on the audio should definitely check out the youtube version because it's uh, pretty funny i don't even know when this happened in the video until i get to the edits and um you know We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, we definitely took a minute and I saw this and I was like, hey, you know your uh, GoPro's doing a thing, right? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, we were so into our conversation, I did not notice it. <laughs> but anyway, thanks to any thanks to every single person that's been listening and supporting the Sun-Dried Tomatoes podcast and the YouTube channel as well. Thanks to everyone who subscribed and downloaded uh, the podcast and those who have uh, subscribed to the YouTube channel. Uh, this wouldn't be possible with all of your support, and I really do appreciate it. Thanks again for Jake to join me on this uh, slightly interdimensional adventure through Cosmic War that we've had, <laughs> which uh, is pretty funny because, again, the portal. Yeah, I, I, I hope you see it out there in the, uh, the, the dark internet. Like, <laughs> honestly, this is just hilarious from our point of view. Yeah, I, I don't even understand how this happens, to be honest. Seriously, like, it's, it's just, just a, it's, it's a glitch of all glitches. <laughs> this, yeah, this is the blind spot that every human being has, only 
now it's in digital form. Like, <laughs> honestly, we didn't evolve the camera to have a blind spot. What happened? Yeah, it's pretty insane. But uh, on that note, <laughs> until next time, salute.